Stats War podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. Uh, I just want to say off the top, I sound terrible. I have a super bad head cold, maybe a sinus infection, maybe dying. I don't know. But so I apologize for the timbre and the sound of my voice. It's unusually uh, abrasive this evening. We are coming into a week against Texas, uh, a big game that's going to happen. Number 15, Texas comes to Amon Carter Stadium this weekend. They are an underdog, according to Vegas Lines and according to SP Plus, which just seems amazing to me. Uh, SP Plus also picks the over, which I feel like you've got to make at some point some kind of adjustment for the fact that TCU cannot score at all. So um, the Frogs come off a pretty disappointing loss in Manhattan, 17-24, to the Wildcats of Kansas State. TCU averaged 7 yards a rush, 5.9 yards per play. Their expected points added total, uh, or average per play, was negative .022, .35 on the rush, and negative .44 on the pass. They passed only 46% of the time. So for all of you established the run haters out there, the run was established in Manhattan. I don't know what else you want to happen there. We ran a lot and we still lost. Um, On the defensive side, TCU actually held Kansas State pretty, pretty low totals in yards per play. Um, But EPA, they allowed the pass to really uh, shine. So EPA expected points added overall for Kansas was 0.047, slightly positive per play. The rush for Kansas State was actually negative, negative 0.216, but the pass was a third of a point per pass, and Kansas State passed 46% of the time. So TCU really, really had trouble. Um, I can guarantee that basically... All of that passing success was off of play action, and Grant and I'll talk about that some more. But all that to say, TCU is in a weird spot, and um, I kind of go back and forth in my head. It's a little bit like that scene in The Princess Bride where they're talking about which poison or which cup has the poison, saying, well, if you know that I know, that you know that I know, Uh, and kind of going back and forth in their head. In economics, we'd call that common knowledge. What I'm doing is saying, well... It's a perfect setup for TCU to upset Texas, but because it's a perfect setup, it won't happen. But because it won't happen, it will happen. But because it should happen, it won't happen, you know, back and forth and back and forth. So I really don't have a read on this game. I feel like a um, a close spread really, really worries me because I think Texas might have had a wake-up call last week against Kansas, or that might be emblematic of some future struggles. They are really, really hurt on defense, but unfortunately they're really, really hurt in the secondary. And guess what TCU can't really do right now? Pass, because all they want to do is throw a screen pass or throw the ball 30 yards down the field on the sideline. Um, I'm not naming any names, but I feel like someone should be more in tune to the needs of a freshman quarterback. That is all I'll say about that for now. Anyway, good podcast tonight. Uh, Grant is going to hop on here in a second, and we're going to chat but other than that, make sure you follow me on Stats of War uh, on Twitter and look for my preview up tomorrow. Um, other than that, I've got some charts and graphs you know, on Twitter and all that stuff. Other than that, make sure you're all around Frogs of War. We've got all sorts of previews up this week. Enjoy the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to another Wednesday of the Stats of War podcast. I've got Grant here with me again tonight. Grant, how's it going? It's going great, Parker. How about yourself? 
Doing quite well. Uh, that's a total lie. I just said that for posterity. I feel terrible and have a cold. So again, I apologized in the intro, but I'm going to apologize now. I feel like I sound like a gremlin. So sorry, everyone. Um, but it's Texas week. The show's got to go on. You know, I can't, uh, I can't do anything about that. So, um, man, rough, rough weekend for the frogs, 24 17 loss in Manhattan. Um, the run was thoroughly established and yet the frogs still lost. So I don't take any joy in saying that. I just feel like we need to know what was going on there. Um, but that's not the most important story that I feel like we need to lead off with. Honestly, there's been some drama on Twitter today and Grant, I need your thoughts about uniform gate. So here's the deal about Uniform Gate. I walked into Gary Patterson's press conference um, at about 11:30 yesterday, and as I did, I sat down and opened up the uniform for uh, for that TCU will wear against Texas this weekend. Uh, I'll be honest, there were TCU officials in the room, some some athletes in the room, so I didn't want to vocalize my thoughts too loudly. Personally, Parker, I don't like the uniforms. I think they're bad. That's my take. What about yourself? I hate them, Um, but I don't have a good design eye. My wife, on the other hand, is a graphic designer, and I sent her this uniform and said, what are your thoughts? What do you think is going on here? Mm -hmm. And I just let her kind of go on a rant. So I wanted her to come on the podcast, and she said, no, that's stupid. Your podcast is dumb. I don't want to be a part of it, which I understand. Um, But so here were some of her professional design thoughts. They're terrible. It's not even a true black. All the color values bleed together. The best part of the red in the TCU branding is how subtle it is. This is not a subtle use of red. They are equating red to purple in this design, all caps, and by using them side by side, they are decreasing legibility. From far away, these helmets are going to look like a blob. There is zero contrast between purple and red, and the red outline on the black frog makes it look demonic and not in an intimidating way. What a shame. Those were her professional thoughts about these uniforms. Uh, so from a design standpoint, they are not great. Um, so what you're telling me I, is that I, she didn't like it. She did not. She, she was not pleased. Um, yeah, and, and it's kind of disappointing. So today, I, I'm sure many of you saw, uh, and I say today, it's Wednesday as we're recording this. You'll, you'll hear this on Thursday, so yesterday for you in the future. Um, I saw some people tweeting about a Jeremiah Donati Instagram post Mm -hmm. that was posted and deleted, Mm -hmm. which featured these exact same uniforms, except with purple numbers. And a member of TCU athletic staff uh, tweeted out to one of our friends, uh, I think it was the LMK, and said, yeah, we wanted it to be the purple numbers, but the NCAA said it was too much, it was too little contrast. It wasn't enough contrast on the uniform, so we couldn't use them, which infuriates me. Because I saw Louisville, Houston, Baylor, Vanderbilt, Oregon. Five examples I put on my Twitter feed today of teams wearing uniforms with no contrast. Either gold on gold on gray, gray on gray, dark green on light green, uh, matte red on matte gray. Just no contrast, hard to read uniforms. And it blows my mind that that's a real explanation that we couldn't wear uniforms which with purple numbers looked awesome, but instead with red uni- uniforms looked gaudy. I completely agree, and I think if there were purple numbers on this uniform, I would actually love it. So I, I, I don't have a graphic design eye, um, so I'm sure this is a bad take, um, professionally speaking. The helmets aren't the offensive part of this uniform to me. It's that the red almost looks like a Florida orange um, that is really deep brown, and it kind of reminds me of those 
like bad Florida Gator Gator skin uniforms they wore. Do you remember those? Yes. Um, oh, vividly. That's what it kind of reminds me of. And I, I'm not great with colors. I'm not colorblind, but I'm just very bad with them. So I'm sure it's not the most accurate take, but. The red to me looks like orange here, or, or like a deep Florida orange, and that's yeah. not the effect they're going for. I'm guessing if it was a deeper red, no. obviously I'm, I might like them more just because it was more commitment. But the kind of right. highlighter they're going with to, to me doesn't really work. I would even would have liked like a chrome red, a sure. la the Louisville helmets sure. a couple years ago. But this kind of like orangey pink thing, I don't love. I do. I will say the uniforms that Donati tweeted out also had purple in the kind of. Uh, you know, spike necklace around the, around the shoulders. And that was a nice accent to kind of add some depth and texture. And so I'm very disappointed those uniforms aren't real um, for multiple yeah. reasons, but the least of which is that the explanation seems to be pretty stupid. I agree. And so here's where I have a surprise for you, Parker. So before we started reporting, I texted you a screenshot and I asked you not to look at it. I would have you go looked. ahead and look at it right now and tell me that SMU is not basically wearing the exact same color scheme in this screenshot that I texted you. Oh my gosh, that's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly the same. So this is this is a picture of SMU against Houston yep. in 2017, maybe? Uh, I think it's 16. 16. Uh, if you look at Scott Bell DMN, he tweeted it, not to plug my other employer, but that's who tweeted it. Um, and totally. It, it's basically the same color scheme, just SMUified, if you will. Um, but they're the same uniform. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so one, that's super. I'm, I'm mad that SMU could get away with it, and for whatever reason, TCU sure. couldn't. But two, SMU. One of SMU's primary colors is red, and so like those look good because they're an anthracite right. with red on top of them. Uh, and a blue accent, which is which is really classy. Instead of throw, you know, SMU is not wearing a green, you know, a green accent on a on a uniform or anything, which just seems kind of crazy. Right. Yeah, I saw that tweet, and, and I'll retweet it when this podcast comes out because I, I think it's a take I'm trying to work through. But I, the fact that they look so similar really bothers me um, because yeah. I, again, I like the helmet, and I'm fine with TCU kind of going all out on a fourth uniform, you know, against a big opponent like right. Texas. I mean, you know, it's a big game that we'll talk about it later. TC probably isn't going to win, but fine, you know, go all out. And, and from what Patterson said um, on Tuesday, recruits really like the uniform. Recruits like different things, and that's cool. But I just think the execution really could have been better. And the fact that it's similar to the SMU uniforms is, is kind of disheartening. Totally agree. And, um, you know, like Baylor and West Virginia are kind of in the same boat. I think they're both, um, their uniforms, they kind of recycle the same things with just different color schemes. And TCU, when they first got Nike, I got really excited because remember, you know, 2011, we had those, 2010, I think, we had the Pro Combat. Yep. And they were awesome. Yep. You know, little weird frog skin pants, purple with black up the sides, and then you had the red stripes just down the middle of the helmet. And I thought those were innovative. And I thought we were on the precipice of TCU becoming like Oregon South. Yep. And I've just been consistently underwhelmed with the uniforms and the combinations. And I don't know, I almost feel like it's a straw man. Like it's, it's like someone who doesn't know any recruits sits there and says, if I were a recruit, what would I like? What would a, an imagination of a recruit want, right. you know? And so this is like this straw man recruit that hypothetically likes these. And it's the same with the, the frog skin, like decent idea, but terrible execution. And then we'd wear like 
purple chrome helmets and gray frog skin and white, just awful. And so these don't feel innovative. They feel recycled and they just don't, I don't think they look good. I don't think they're going to look good on the field. Uh, so I'm, I'm very worried about that. No, I agree. I, I, if you take Patterson at his word, he's had this helmet design for nine months and he said, and he's kept it under his desk, which first off, heck of a secret to keep under your desk. Um, and apparently recruits love it. So maybe Parker, could we be out of touch? Is it the kids? No, it's the kids. <laughs> it's the kids that are wrong. <laughs> it's hard to say. Because Patterson said everyone under 25 will like these helmets. And everyone over 25, or and, and uniform, and everyone over 25 will dislike them. Well, I'm 24, and I still don't like them. So maybe I'm right. a liar. But I, yeah, I, I think, think there is a. I think the exact same uniform could have been made um, very easily with a purple, white, black theme, and then just thrown red on the helmets, and it would have looked awesome. Completely fair. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but again, I'm pulling up this Donati Instagram and we'll move off and talk about real things in a second, but the, the purple numbers were outlined in red on the black look awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm almost, it's almost like a matter that there was a mock-up that looked great. And for whatever reason, we couldn't use that Parker, or didn't use that. Let me ask you, when you started an analytical podcast dedicated to great stats, great looks inside the TCU program. Did you imagine that we would spend nine minutes and 30 seconds accounting on TCU's uniform? Absolutely. This is, this is what the people want. And it's, and it's the most important thing. Um, no, that's a really mad. good. That's the thing is that it makes me angry I, and I don't know why. It's I really can't, funny. I can't understand. Like maybe it's just this season is in the, like in the garbage can yeah. or that we've had to deal with the freaking gray camo skin uniforms for three years. But um, yeah, just terrible. Let's, let's pivot. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of terrible, let's talk about TCU's offense versus Kansas State. My goodness. Um, could not, just for the life of them, get anything going. Uh, I mean, EPA overall was in the negative. They were, they were on average, decreasing their, their position every time they ran a play. Um, 5.9 yards per play overall, according to my calculations. Seven, seven yards per rush, which is great, but only 4.6 yards per pass. Um, and just not a... Not a good showing overall. So, Grant, tell me your thoughts about TCU offense versus Kansas State this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think we had kind of texted about it too during the game. But at the start, uh, it looked like TCU was doing some of the things that we really wanted. They were moving the ball, um, you know, kind of side. They're moving players side to side using a lot of pre-stat motion, really spreading the field. Um, and then for a large swath of the game, they just did none of that. Um, it really took, again, until kind of like we saw against Iowa State when TCU was had their back against the wall and needed to score quickly, that they moved up-tempo, passed the ball a ton, tried to force the ball to Jalen Rager, and as it turns out, if you force the ball to Jalen Rager, he will force catches because he made three in a row um, on the final drive of the game, basically stole an interception away from Iowa State and caught the ball. Um, but between then, it was just dry, uninspired play calling. Max Duggan was... At times, tucking the ball on, on, on reads and options and looking good, and at times kind of scrambling for his life. Um, he overthrew a couple of open receivers. Um, Rager was open down the middle of the field, and, and Duggan just didn't see him at one point. And then uh, Taya Barber was running uncovered on the left side, and, and Duggan overthrew him. But there were also drops. Um, Javante Heights had a first down in his hands and dropped it, and then Duggan overthrew Barber on the next play. So it looked bad for Duggan, but... Um, he should have been in that situation in the first place. So 
specific situation to drill down into, but it kind of exemplifies what happened for the Horned Frogs in this game because, like, every single aspect of the offense was misfiring, if that makes sense. Definitely. Um, and, I, and, I mean, the, you know, to your point about Rager, that very first play – yeah. Uh, excuse me. The second play. So the first play was a stupid screen to Raker, and he he the Kansas Kansas State tackled terribly in this game. Mm-hmm. That inflated everything that TCU did on the offense. Kansas State has an awful defense. Can I interrupt? I I wouldn't hear what you have to say. I just had I want to point it out. I am not going to let that devalue Duggins run at all because that was so hard <laughs> to enjoy it for the rest of my life. Yes, okay. that was a beautiful run. And so if you weight that on both sides of the equation, right? You weight Kansas State defense down, but then Duggan is a freshman, so he gets bonus points. It, it, it cancels yeah, out. Totally I'm fine. I'm going to make that point. Anyway, Outside of that play, Kansas State is one of the worst tackling teams I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, and that's, that's not an overstatement. That is, that is just the facts. They were horrendous at tackling. And so that first, that first Raker play, it was a screen, and it should have been a three-yard loss. And just... Kansas State didn't tackle. Um, and so you got to adjust a little bit there for that. But then that second play, man, they they do the – I talked about this in the intro too, but I'm in love with this play, and that's okay. They motion Rager across. You saw three guys, two linebackers and a safety, follow Rager in motion. They were just covering him. Shewo, it might have been an RPO, honestly. Duggan was looking around. I don't think, I don't think it was. I think it was more of just a, a play action. But it looked like he made a read on the linebacker who crashed really hard towards Shewo. And then he turned and threw to Barber, who came back across. And so you had three misdirections. You had two decision points for the defense. And it was honestly unlike any play that I have seen TC run this year. And I got so excited. And then the second drive comes out. And we just are back to our old same nonsense. Yeah. Um, it was like, oh, fun time is canceled. This is this is over. Um, I think really the two the two things that I would point to besides, you know, if we just take TCU's terrible offense as given, uh, the two things I'd point to, um, sorry, the three things I'd point to are the the punt um, special teams this year has been bad. Jonathan Song is awesome, been really, really good. Our, our punting and our kickoffs, man, the field position and then just, just Sandy – Gosh, you want to love a punter with a full sleeve tattoo, but you know he's he's in the hundreds ranking for average punt distance. He's had a couple negative EPA punts, um, just really disappointing. Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, so it's so it's it, uh, Jamie Plunkett made a great point, our boss, which is that maybe TCU just picked him because we always punt from like the fifty. So I, I'm sure his like yeah. ratio of like punts inside the twenty to punt yardage or whatever, whatever calculation that is, is great. But it's, he, he just, he can't kick, he can't kick the ball over 45 yards. It seems. Right. But, but um, by God, yeah, it's a situation where, where you need to put him, you know, he, he could kick it 36 to any corner of the field. 37. Right. Right. Um, yeah, he's, he's been, he's been underwhelming. So it was, it was the special teams. It was, um, now I've completely lost where I was going. Oh, it's uh, play action on defense. Um, man, I don't know what's going on. I and, and again on Saturday, you know, we're in the heat of moment. Whatever. I tweeted some things about individual players, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about that right now. But there are some guys who are trying really hard to make plays and are really hurting the defense uh, because they're doing that. And play action. I mean, Skylar Thompson has had a decent season and has had the best season of his career. 
he is not that guy. And we made him look like that guy on a couple throws. Um, so that was, that was pretty frustrating overall. Parker, can I ask you this? As far as advanced stats go, um, and we have, uh, we have a question on this, I think, that got sent in. And if you don't mind, I'm going to rope it in because I have the same question. Um, so let me find who sent it. Uh, from uh, Ahern Alley. Do you guys feel like TCU deserved a better result in this game? Because honestly, some of us do. Looking at a traditional box score, TCU outgained Kansas State by 100 yards. They had fewer penalties, uh, no turnovers in this game. And TCU actually had a longer time of possession than Kansas State, which is crazy because the Wildcats had the second uh, highest average time of possession entering this game in the country. So from your witchcraft advanced stack that, you know, that I don't understand, should TCU have won this game? Yeah, so um, I really I, I feel weird about this. I tweeted twice at Bill Conley trying to get him. You know, he releases some of those box scores right. that he, he normally has, you know, in the past has had out. Now he's at ESPN, so it's a little weird. And uh, wasn't able to get those from him. So we don't have the, the actual okay. post-game win expectancy. But I will say um, I, I definitely count the, the punt as a turnover. I think that you have to think about field position. Mm-hmm. And so Kansas State scored a touchdown after that punt because they had great field position. And that was the difference in the game, realistically. It was tied outside of that. But then also you think about that second, end of the second quarter drive, TCU scores a field goal um, because the offense stalls and they don't score a touchdown. Um, and that really put them behind. They could have gone into the half up and instead they go, or tied, sorry, and they come they go down. So I think that that's, that's one of those perfect examples where a traditional box score says TCU outgained Kansas State. It looks like in all these aspects, TCU played better. But if you factor in special teams, you factor in finishing drives, you factor in field position, and then you look at EPA, which kind of takes some more context about plays. Um, Kansas State was was just a little better, um, and you could argue the breaks fell in Kansas State's way. But I'm I'm one to say, you know, if four or five breaks are falling your way. You probably deserve to deserve to win. So um, I don't. I, again, I I would love to have that post game expectancy number. I bet it's in the sixties for Kansas State, or maybe the fifties. I bet it was close, just because of that punt was really the difference. But TCU's finishing drives, um, man, it's hard to it's hard to win when you don't when you don't score. Yeah, and and, and you talked about too. I mean, um, Skylar Thompson's not that dude in terms of passing the ball, <laughs> but. He averaged 3.0 more yards per pass than TCU did this game. TCU averaged 4.5 yards per pass. Is that good, Parker? That is um, not good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in terms of in terms of EPA, uh, Kansas State's passing 0.349 per pass. TCU's was negative 0.44. Um, so so Skyler Thompson was worth about. Point eight, so almost a full point better per pass uh, than TCU was in terms of expected value. So, yeah, I mean, just just kind of. Uh, here's what I think: if Skylar Thompson can do that to you, what's Sam Ellinger going to do to you? Right. You know, right. that's what worries me. And, and I feel like every podcast we wind up in a discussion of why Max Duggan should start over Alex Delton, um, which is weird because Delton had one series in this game, and it was the. It was a very curiously timed series. Um, I'll leave it at that. If you want to talk more about it, you can. But um, Duggan missed a lot of passes. He also had a lot of receivers drop passes. And Patterson, all the players in every single press conference have said that Duggan performs the best in practice and is the quarterback that can best give them the chance to win a game. 
I believe it. I know you do as well. It is just jarring at times to see the stats at the end of the game and note that he is three yards per pass worse than Skylar Thompson. Yeah, so I think I will say multiple things. Yeah. Um, I think my certainty in the veracity of Gary Patterson's post-game and press conference statements has decreased substantially as the season progresses. That's completely fair. Um, just going to put that on the side. I think that the problem... Okay, so Grant, let's go to hypothetical. Okay, I'm all about I'm all about metaphors, right? Love it. I'm gonna say, Grant, you and I are gonna have a push-up competition. Okay, I got bad news. Okay, yeah, obviously, no. uh, (laughs) But so I say, all right, Grant, um, you have to beat me in push-up reps, but you can only do a set of three or a set of a hundred, and if you fail at either one, you get no points, and I can do whatever I want, right? right? Well, even if you succeed on the three push-ups, right, I'm still going to beat you because I'm just going to do four. And if you try the 100 one, you're never going to get there and you're going to fail. That's TCU's offense right now with Max Duggan. They're saying either you throw a screen pass behind the yard yard line, uh, the line of scrimmage, excuse me, and you get five yards, best case scenario, or you have to throw it 30 yards to the corner and put the ball perfectly or you fail. There is no ground for him to, to make up there. So Skylar Thompson, both of his touchdowns involved play action and involved middle of the field, right? Uh, specifically, that first play action was beautiful. Tight end just kind of ran right by the linebacker as they took a half step. Um, I, that play and so, troubled me more than any other play in that game. Was that tight end? Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, I, and and that, that exact thing right there, where it's like TCU doesn't have that in their arsenal. So it's either um, – and even it, even against Kansas, he was still having to throw fades. He was throwing them against terrible defenders, so like that was fine. But the, the gauntlet that has been thrown for our freshman QB is this weird paradigm of we don't want to stunt your development by making you fail, so we're never going to give you an opportunity to fail. Um, people have talked about so much. Duggan doesn't have any interceptions. There's a, an adage in baseball that says, if you never get caught stealing, you're not stealing enough, right? Ricky Henderson wanted to be caught stealing because expected value, it's fine to get caught sometimes knowing that you're going to steal more overall. Um, Duggan needs to throw the ball. He needs to throw the ball more intermediate routes, and it doesn't need to be this boom or bust kind of kind of cycle. So that's really why Skylar Thompson outperformed Duggan is because Skylar Thompson had more intermediate, simpler throws, and the offense wasn't as reliant on succeed in the big ones or we lose. Um, and so I think that is really... That's that's really the issue here is that I think that the way that they're handling Duggan at this point is indefensible. And I'll say indefensible because they brought Delton in for a series. Um, it, well, it just so it defies logic. It's just the timing when they brought Delton in. Because I can understand. Right, right. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's the timing because he, obviously a former Kansas State player, uh, has a degree from Kansas State, extremely well-respected. Uh, again, I... I stress that every podcast, but I, I mean it sincerely that he is a positive in the locker room, um, which which is a good thing. Um, but bringing him in right after Duggan just let a touchdown drive, that's the weird part. Uh, yeah. What like what what is? I I just don't. Yeah, I don't I, I even don't, know, man. Gary Patterson and Sonny Cumbie and every single person on that coaching staff know a thousand times more about football than me. 
but I just don't know why that was the time they decided to bring Alex Dalton in. I, I, I mean, and maybe we'll never know. Who's to say? You know. Yeah, I mean that, that's really what it comes down to is like we're not going to get anything out of this. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's tie a bow on Kansas State. Grant, we're going to take a little okay. break. They're going to advertise something stupid, and then we're going to come back, and we will transition to this Texas game. And we're back. Yeah, so I, I want to loop in our, our joking segment, uh, explain it to an idiot yeah. um, for a minute, just because I posted a graph today that I thought was pretty cool of the Big 12 quarterbacks EPA. Mm-hmm. So one, I'm very pleased to announce that I compared my expected points added numbers to ESPN's official expected points added numbers, and I am very close. Very nice. Um, so that makes me feel very good about my life and I want to brag about that. But the graph I posted today was just the big 12 quarterbacks, um, against every other quarterback in the nation. Uh, and it had rush EPA and pass EPA. And I thought it was interesting because there's, there's some pretty clear tiers in the big 12. So, um, Jalen Hurts is the best rushing EPA quarterback in the nation. He's ahead of Malcolm Kelly and, uh, the Wyoming quarterback whose name I can't remember. Malcolm Kelly's at Navy. So he's even rushing better than the triple option guys which is wild. Um, But as of last week, Sam Allinger actually passed Jalen Hurts in pass EPA on the season, um, which is pretty interesting. I'd still say that Hurts is in a tier by himself just because of the rushing value. But then you have the the Allinger tier that's developed. So I, I, I say in the past, he and Brock Purdy were almost the same. And he has really separated himself in the last couple of weeks. And then you get into that third tier of Brock Purdy, Charlie Brewer, Spencer Sanders, Skylar Thompson. And then it's... Carter Stanley, Max Duggan, and then it's, you know, West Virginia and the Texas Tech quarterbacks, Austin Kendall, and then Jet Duffy and Alan Bowman still qualifies. So um, an interesting graph to look at. Really kind of a good segue, though, because Ellinger um, has separated himself as a passing quarterback, and that's pretty problematic for TCU because TCU has trouble with a rushing quarterback, and now that rushing quarterback can also pass better than anybody else in the conference. So as we shift our attention to the number 15, according to the AP voters, Texas Longhorns coming into town this weekend, what is TCU going to have to do to try and win this game? Score, score, and score some more. Um, Patterson said he doesn't want it to turn into a shootout, but he said he would like to win in a shootout. Obviously, he wants to win every game. Um, I, I think he knows that this is going to be tough to stop the Texas offense. Um, even in the two losses Texas has had to Oklahoma and LSU, the problem isn't scoring points. I mean, Texas hasn't scored uh, more, or excuse me, fewer than uh, 36 points this season, so they know how um, to reach the end zone. Like you said, Sam Ellinger is an incredibly good quarterback. Um, and the problem with the Texas offense is that they're incredibly explosive. Uh, they have 31 plays over 20 yards this season. Um, I'll talk more about uh, 
uh, some of the wide receivers they have at their disposal. But it's just a really, really good offense. And the defense is banged up for the Longhorns. Texas, or excuse me, TCU, should they choose to run a effective passing offense, could make some strides against a banged up secondary to catch my drift. But um, they're gonna have to score points to Frogwell if they want if they want to win. Um, TCU probably will be the best defense. Texas has played. I don't have the stats on Oklahoma, but um, man alive, it's they, uh, according to according to EPA, TCU is uh, the third best defense in the Big Twelve right now, okay. and so that's behind Baylor and Iowa State. Okay. And so t- Texas has has not played anybody in the top half yet. Okay, well there you go. So yeah, so so you never know. I mean, maybe TCU has a has a plan. Um, the Frogs always play better against Texas than they do against any other team, which is kind of weird. Um, Patterson said it's because a lot of his players come from Texas and almost kind of have that fire in them. But, uh, yeah, man, it, I think it's still going to be a shootout, and I still think Texas is going to score a lot against the TCU defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that. I also, you know, you talk about, like, the Texas bump from Gary Patterson. But the other, you know, we have kind of this immovable, unstoppable force and immovable object because – we have the Herman underdog oh, effect yeah, yeah, as well, yeah, which true. they are technically an underdog according to the Vegas spread and according to SP plus in this game. Um, and so you kind of have, I, I honestly, I don't look at it on a, enough to know if it moved today. I, uh, I don't really do the betting. Fair, but if SP plus hasn't, that's really wild. Yeah. So SP plus has them about two points separated on a neutral field. And because TC is at home, you know, you add that three point, um, you had that three-point bump for a home field in. And TCU is um, – yeah, I, they're, they're, they're still in the 30s in SP+. Plus. The metrics really like them. Also, the metrics are still baking in um, preseason projections. And so you got to take that with a grain of salt. Sure. But, yeah, so, so I mean, you have, you have Herman kind of coming in with this uh, underdog effect. You've got a lot going on there. I don't, I don't, I don't really know – I don't really have a lot to expect – um, from TCU because they're going to have to score so much, and they haven't shown that they can score against a living, breathing defense. The caveat here is, of course, Texas could be the worst defense that TCU has faced. Yeah, they're not good. All Texas is second to last in the Big 12. They're allowing a positive .104 EPA, and they're slightly negative against the rush in EPA, but they're a, a, a fifth of a point in the positive on passing EPA. They they are getting eaten alive on the pass, um, and so you've got to think if again big 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 if. But if TCU can pass, you feel like they could find success here for sure. I mean, so and, the question is, are they going to scheme to pass? Right, and, and and a lot of that is due to injury. We should point out. I mean, uh, Caden Stearns, extremely good defensive back. Um, he has a knee injury. He's out. Chris Brown, um, another good defensive back. He is a fractured forearm. He's out for like six weeks. Um, Jeffrey McCulloch's a good linebacker. He's out with a dislocated collarbone. Um, I, I, you know, Texas is banged up, and and I don't want to necessarily carry their water, but I do think that's a large part of it. But that's who TCU is going to play. So it, it it is an opportunity for TCU. I mean, hell, Kansas put up forty eight points against Texas. I, I I guess I should ask you, Parker. How much of an outlier is that for us to just completely disregard Kansas putting up 48 points against Texas? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we've seen that um, Kansas can score. Not against We've TCU, seen they them. Up, they didn't put up more than 150 yards against TCU. 
Um, that's true, but TC is a really good defense. I am looking this up to verify this right now because I bet that Texas and Rutgers defense are not as far apart as people would have them out to be. Because uh, Kansas scored, what, 58 on Rutgers? Something ridiculous. 55, maybe? Um, off the top of my head, I don't know. No, they know. played Boston College this year. Oh, Boston, Boston College, not yeah, Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers was last up, year. Yes, Boston 40, College. Sorry. It was 48-24 against Boston College. Terrible Northeastern yes, team. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so let's let's look at let's look at SP real quick um, and see uh, where Texas is. So Texas is seventy seventh on defense, and Boston College is ninety fourth. So I mean, only seventeen spots. I mean, yeah, yeah, not not too far back, honestly. And you think about opponent adjustments, and you think about preseason projections. Um, man, that, that doesn't feel crazy. So Kansas can score against bad defenses and it looks like Texas's defense looks a little bit more like Boston college than it does TCU. For sure. So and, and can I just point this out? This is a pure, like uneducated box score point, but Texas has allowed at least 30 points to every power five team that's played this year. Yeah. Like they, their defense is not good. No, not 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 in the least. And so, if TCU can scheme to get open, man, you got you got to think that there's a window for a really gutsy, weird 31-28, 31-27 TCU win. Um, again, it's just how much how much faith do you have in TCU adapting to anything? Right. Not a lot, to be honest with you. I I mean, I, mean, I think holding Texas to twenty seven or twenty eight is gonna to be tough too because as much as like we've dogged on the Texas defense, the offense is really, really good and really, really explosive. And it's I, I do want to touch on this. It's the it's the wide receiver core that scares me. So um Colin Johnson's healthy. He's a senior, he's extremely good. He is also six six. Uh and let me make sure I get his weight right. I had this page dog here. There it is. Um he is uh six six, two twenty. Devin Duvernay is 5'11", 210. Britton Eagles is a sophomore that is 6'4", 225, um, and currently leads UT in touchdowns receiving. Um, so they have just a bevy of wide receivers that are extremely good. And if TCU's defensive line can't get a pass rush, and if these wide receivers can pick on you know, everyone that's not named Jeff Gladney, then it's going to be really, really tough for TCU to stop Texas at all. Yeah, I I think the multiplicity is what worries me because it's kind of the same thing at SMU where there are multiple guys that could punish you and that's really where TCU struggles. Um, and so that, and you couple that with the, the just, I just don't think you can undersell the Ellinger rushing yeah. kind of outlet that they have, that the man can just put his head down and get five yards whenever he wants. And so that coupled with... Um, you know, multiple receivers being all over the field, I'm really, really worried about. Yeah, Ellinger, uh, so at Big 12 Media Days, you and I were both there, and Tom Herman talked about how I think he wanted to run Ellinger a little bit less just to protect him. Uh, he is averaging more carries per game this year than he did last year. And That is he, because they're thinner, and that's break that's break glass in case of emergency. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of it is scrambling, yeah. absolutely. But he's still doing it, and he's still very good at it. Um, Definitely. So if, if the defensive line can't get pressure... And let him and they just let him sit in the pocket. He can hurt you that way. And if they do force him out, if the linebackers aren't ready to chase, if you know TC doesn't commit to stop again, then he'll just run all over you. And I asked Patterson about that yesterday, and he said, you know, 
it's going to take multiple guys to keep an eye on Ellinger for him to, you know, for TC to be able to stop him. Because if it's not two or three guys solely focused on Sam Ellinger, he will kill TCU. And there's really no yeah, and yeah, yeah. And we had that question last week about do you want to, or I guess two weeks ago about like, do you think we'll see more three down from from TCU? And honestly, this is the spot where I'd want to see it just because the defensive line has not been great. Um, and this might be crazy, but the train is coming behind me. Sorry, that sounds very loud. I'm going to give that a second. Uh, I'm not cutting that, though. That's fine. No, I'm, I'm at a friend's house uh, using their dryer because my dryer is broken. So right by the train. Um, okay, yeah. So so you wonder about, like, this is a crazy idea. But look, we're 3-3 three and three and don't look like we have any more wins left on the schedule. So let's get crazy. Here's my idea. Three down, Parker Workman spies the QB. Sure, man. You run a 3-3-5, and you're like, hey, you're a defensive end. Let's just give you a head start in the direction the quarterback's going. That's all. Like, if his name, I think that could work. If his name was John Workman, do you think you'd like it as much? Uh, would, in, in this scenario, does he still have his uh, name tattooed on his forearm? Because I know the first name similarity is, <laughs> is attraction, but really, I, okay, I saw him in person this summer, and I saw the tattoo in person, and the angels sang. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I want to get Fleming tattooed on my forearm. Like that is just awesome. Um, that's it's it's not the first name. It's not the first name connection. It's the fact that his last name is Workman, and he has a tattooed You're on his right. forearm. I mean, and he is decent. Uh, and Patterson has talked about how like every defensive end in the roster can be a good player. They just right. need to develop. Um, so right. hell yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you throw them all onto the field at once. Is they'll be better. I don't know. I mean, I, the point I, just, the point that I'm trying to make is that I don't see an avenue where TCU stops Ellinger. Is basically what I mean. Yep. That that's that's really what it is. Is like you think about the keys to the game, and I just don't don't let Texas do what they do to everyone. Like I don't I, I don't really like, know. Even, like we talked, like even in the games Texas has lost, they've been good on offense. I mean, and, yep. and they've just been bad. Like, LSU and Oklahoma are top six teams. Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts are two of the three Heisman candidates at this point. Um, yep. I believe in that. And they, they feel a lot like... But I don't think he's a Heisman candidate. No. Uh, no. Uh, they, they feel a lot like Oklahoma two years ago, where it was just like, can the defense do enough to let Baker win? Right. Um, and that's... I feel like Texas is very, very strongly in that vein. And, they, like, what's a game they haven't been in? And then look at our fourth quarter SP plus is, like, two standard deviations below the rest of our game in terms of defense. We're just letting – we're just collapsing in the fourth quarter. Um, and so you couple those together. You'd say Texas hasn't been out of a game all season. Mm-hmm. Texas has gotten really close to beating really good teams in the fourth quarter. And TCU is notorious for falling off in the fourth quarter. I'm a little worried about that. Well, and, and um, thing I'll say, but – even if you are comparing, okay, if you're comparing 2017 Oklahoma to 2019 Texas, so TCU's offense was not good in 2017. Um, and I, I, I mean, Kenny Hill was fine, whatever, but like, I, you know, it wasn't necessarily like a, a, a dynamic offense. Oklahoma didn't have any problems in 2017 in beating bad offensive teams. Like they beat nope. Kansas, um, I think that was the Baker Mayfield crotch grab game. Uh, it was fifty-six to three. They beat um, number eighteen West Virginia, a good offense, fifty-six twenty-eight. They beat TCU 
uh, 52-46. I forgot how close that game was. And Kansas State was 38-17. So, yeah, like, a lot of it is how good can the defense be and just can they win Sam Ellinger a game. But against below-average offenses, that's not a problem. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And even against, like, I mean, and that was a great – 2017 was another great TCU defense. I think they were top 10 SP plus by the end of the year. And um, you look at them, and they were – one stop short of TCU beating Oklahoma that year, but they couldn't get that stop. And so you think, man, we have less defensive security now. I just don't, I just don't know. Um, Let's take one more break real quick because we have to, and then we will talk about our predictions for the game and maybe what's going on else in the big 12. Great. Go buy some mattresses or socks or listen to whatever podcast they're telling you to listen to. Um, we're back and we're going to talk about our predictions for the game. So Grant, we've talked about, we don't have a lot of faith in TCU. We're not really sure what's going on. TCU's wearing offbeat uniforms, some might say, eccentric uniforms, some might say. Um, yeah, so what is uh, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? I think Texas is going to win. Um, that's pretty much my analysis. I... I it's hard for me to predict where TCU's offense is going to show up in terms of other opponents Texas has had. Um, I, I think Texas wins by at least 10 points. Um, pains me to say, but but a, a game like 34-17, to 17, um, 31-14, things like that, that, that kind of comes to mind. I, I do think TCU's defense is good, and I think they will um, – slow down Sam Ellinger and then slow down his wide receiver core, but but I don't think it's going to be enough. And, and I really just don't think that TCU is adventurous enough on offense to take advantage of the injuries in the Longhorn secondary. So I'll say I'll say 34-17 Texas wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of the same vein. I will say that um, when I'm looking at Texas and I'm looking at how they play the game, they are not great in the in the in scoring opportunities, and that's really been TCU's struggle is finishing scoring drives. So specifically in scoring opportunities on defense, Texas is last overall in EPA. They're allowing a third of a point per play, and also against the rush, they're allowing 0.14 points per play, a third of a point of play on scoring opportunities. They're allowing uh, just just positive on rushes, but then almost half a point of play on passes. And so I think that what's going to happen this weekend is that TC is going to be able to find some of that scoring opportunity offense. And so I think they'll score a little more than we expect, but I still I still expect this to be a pretty lopsided game. I'm going to go Texas 28, TCU 13. True to form, uh, it looks like I lost Grant, and that's okay. We both made our predictions, and I am going to stop it there and we are uh gonna wrap that up so that's the podcast we'll be on twitter grant and i talking still so make sure that you listen to that um other than that thanks for thanks for tuning in and we will catch up with you after the game on saturday